Welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet on KDRT 95.7 FM. Hey there. This interview I have for you today with Vivian McMaster is incredible. The work she does, I want to share with you because I think it's so profound and can be so helpful. However, I ran into a glitch. While recording this interview, I messed up on my mic. So it sounds like I'm speaking from a can. After much contemplation in trying to fix this, I've decided to run with the interview because there is such great information for you. And I also value Vivian's time. And to bring her back, we probably would have lost a lot of the things that we talked about. So please bear with me in the show today and with my mic problems, but really listen to what she has to share for you today. Thanks for listening. Vivian McMaster is a Vancouver photographer and workshop leader who helps folks around the world see themselves with compassion through their own camera lens. Her photographs have been seen in such places as Oprah.com and the Huntington Post. Huffington Post. She discovered her love of photography in her late 20s while in a rough patch in her life and is now on a mission to share the possibility of self-portraiture as a tool for cultivating self-love. I'm so excited to have Vivian here today, and she's going to talk about her journey and the work she does to help women. Vivian, hello and welcome to my show. Hi, I'm so glad to be here. So let's talk about your journey because I love the fact, I love getting people on who, um, weren't, you know, this, you didn't grow up thinking, I want to be a photographer. I didn't grow up thinking I'm going to host radio. I didn't like radio talking heads. Right. So of course I'm going to be attracted to people like that who didn't have this vision from the time that they're five years old. So what got you to look into the camera? Yes. I, I actually had no interest in photography for pretty much up until my late twenties. Um, cause I thought it was something complicated and fine art and fancy. Um, and that it was just intimidating. And, uh, in my late twenties, I kind of went through, it was a, definitely a depression. You could also call it a funk or, um, I don't know if you know about Saturn return, that kind of stage in your late twenties when you're shedding your teenage 20 skin and growing into being an adult in a way, you know, metaphorically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, I just started to feel in my body that the way that I had been living, like trying to help everybody and save everybody and um, solve everyone's problems just wasn't working for me anymore. And every time I said yes, when I meant no, I just like felt physically um, in pain. And I, so I kind of listened to myself. I, you know, when we're going through rough patches, it's pretty easy to try to distract ourselves from it. And I was just clear this was, I felt like I, I couldn't stop crying, first of all. <laughs> and I um, I just kind of went into it and tried not to suppress the sadness and the loneliness and all these feelings that were coming up. And six months later, came out of it. And I 
I felt like I no longer knew who I was. And that was terrifying and exciting. It was like I was a blank canvas because I knew I couldn't try to be the martyr and save everybody anymore. I had to save myself. And so I was like this blank canvas and didn't know kind of where my life was going, but just kind of hoped. And I wanted to also feel happy again. So it so happened that uh, our little cell phones of that era were starting to have um, <laughs> cameras on them. And that's what, how it began for me. So it didn't begin at age five when I grabbed my grandfather's camera and started using it like the typical photographer bio says. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it happened with my did um, my cell phone of that era and I quickly got a point and shoot and then a DSLR and what happened was I just started to realize if I just took my camera out and wandered literally one block maybe more some days there was always something that would kind of spark a little bit of joy for me so coming out of a depression just trying to capture these little bits of joy each day and um, slowly I started to invite myself into the frame you could say and I'd add my feet I'd find a flower and I'd hold it in my hand and add my feet to the photo and I just you know I was trying to figure out who I was and I it made sense for me somehow to just start to look for that woman who I was becoming in the camera and slowly I would put the camera down and step more into the frame and um, start to really explore how it felt to be in front of the camera. And so part of this was self-definition and reclaiming of identity. But another part was also um, healing a lifetime of really negative body image. And I found that in front of the camera, I felt really in control of my life and my voice and my creativity and how I saw my own body. So it started from there. And then after a few years of just really focusing in on taking self-portraits, um, I started to, in, or I guess, teach and invite other people to do the same, kind of with the tools that I had been using just for my own healing journey. So that's my story. <laughs> you know, I love that. And I want to go back to something you said, yeah. where when you, you were, you know, coming out of that depression and you took your camera, right, and you went out into the world to look for something, you knew that there would be a spark in something. Mm -hmm. Right. And it was almost like you were, while you had been in the spunk, you decided, okay, there's got to be something good. And I'm mm -hmm. going to go out there and what, what can I find? And it's, it's, it, I don't know, I guess that goes to me of thinking of, you know, living the extraordinary and the ordinary. Mm, totally. Yeah. And that there was always something extraordinary out there for me to find. And when we're rushing, you know, to make appointments and it's hard to slow down, but when we do, like, there's always, every day and it's that practice I created at that time for myself of just seeking little bits of joy and th things that are extraordinary in the everyday um I do I still do that every single day whether I'm going to get groceries or um just you know walking around the block it's it became an everyday life practice which is good for maintaining <laughs> happiness <laughs> yeah. So, and yeah and it's a great example for the listeners of it's not like I mean you most people have smartphones. You can use that, oh. right? And you can just step outside your house. So we, we go through circumstances. We all go through circumstances totally. where there's struggles. But when we kind of, when we look out and go and seek for something that may bring a little happiness or joy, we can find it. 
-hmm. And it's not going to necessarily happen in that circumstance where there's a struggle, but it could be finding the flower or a rock or, I don't know, um, I've noticed I went for a walk the other day and there was a butterfly. And I was really amazed to see a butterfly at this time of the year. And then the next day, I saw two butterflies outside my office window. Wow. Yeah, (laughs) that was pretty nice this week. That's great. Yeah, there's like hearts every it's hearts is a great thing to focus on just kind of looking out for um flowers or um heart rocks or often there's there'll be things written in the sidewalk well in my neighborhood there is but (laughs) yeah and so with this so then were you blogging is that how people found out about your work and then were asking questions and is that how you built built your business Mm mm-hmm um, I was on Flickr at the time. Flickr was big. <laughs> so that was the big, it's kind of, it's still around, but not as big as it used to be. Uh, so I shared a lot of my self-portraits there and through other, you know, slowly building social media of that era, which, you know, it was only, it wasn't that long ago. It's amazing to think how Facebook wasn't even there at the time. <laughs> but um, I started to, I was blogging as well. And I just started to realize that people were emailing me a lot and asking a lot of questions. But how did you do that? <laughs> so I that that essentially was what inspired me to start creating an e-course and teaching. Okay. And when you started this, there's a quote that um, I read on one of your blog posts, and I love this. And it was because I think. So often people self-eliminate, you know, because they want so much certainty. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you had said, and this is, uh, this is actually when you were, um, I think a doula, wasn't it? But mm-hmm. it was, here's the quote. It was that this was the moment when I realized that I truly didn't know what life held for me and that it might be far, way far beyond my bubble of expectations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Do you want me to share the story? Yes. About that? Um, I won't give away names, but I used to be a postpartum doula. And uh, that experience was, I got asked to work with uh, a, a new mom. So I was helping them after their uh, babies were born. And um, this mother so happened to be the first musician whose album I ever purchased when I was very young <laughs> wow. and I got to work with her and she was, she's been a, you know, an idol of mine for a long time. And I, um, it was just, you know, imagine yourself getting to like work with Oprah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not my situation, but getting the opportunity to work with somebody who I'd admired for so long allowed me to, um, I I was just like, if this can happen, what else can happen? You never know. And it it might be like, we never really know what's going to happen in every day. I could walk around the corner and like meet somebody I've been destined to meet my whole life today. We really can't predict what is going to happen for us. And that was kind of, that was a big wake up call that, um, I don't, I just, we just don't know what's ahead. And when we get so caught up in expectations and even like, low expectations for ourselves. Oh, life can only be this. It can only, you know, it's hard to dream big. It really is. It's vulnerable, but um, we don't know what the rest of our years hold for us. And that is scary and exciting. Ooh, I think what you pointed out was so important and it's not said, right? Mm -hmm. It's 
you know, we, we have low expectations for ourselves because it's hard to dream big because that's vulnerable. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. To put out there what we really want or what we think is possible for ourselves. Even friendship, <laughs> simply mm-hmm. friendship. Like it can be really vulnerable to be like, I feel, I don't feel like I have enough people in my community who I feel like I can be myself with. And um, so I'll just spend my time alone. That's something that happens for me is um, even just friendship can be vulnerable and like dreaming big that we'd love to have people in our lives that feel supportive and that inspire us. Um, That could be scary, Mm -hmm. but they're out there. (laughs) Yeah, because we we crave connection. We want it. And we think Mm -hmm. that so often that if we don't have that right now, that must mean there's something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. or um, I just don't fit in, I'm too different. I know that was always the true belief of mine. Mm-hmm. And and we want connection. And I think what I've learned, especially from this radio show with my clients, is that everybody wants connection and that there yeah. are people for us. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> Low expectations. Mm. I, that, that really has hit something inside of me. So I, I love that about the quote because, you know, I'm a former recovering queen of certainty, you know, and um, I talk a lot about we have transactional relationships in life, right? And there's one thing when you, like I this morning, after I went to Bikram, I went and to the coffee shop and I got a latte and it's real simple. That's a transactional relationship. I pay money, I get my, my latte, right? There's an expectation. Mm-hmm. But we expect that in life, like, oh, I go do this and so therefore I should get this back. Mm-hmm. Or I open up my heart to this friend, but they're not as quite as interested, right? And we want things to be transactional instead of realizing that, you know, if you keep showing up and like with you, with this work that you were doing, you didn't like this artist hoping that one day you would be able to work with her. Never. Yeah. You just like this artist. You yeah. went and did your work and then look what happened. Yeah. You got this incredible opportunity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So I I love that story because I think that's great evidence for the listeners to think about letting go of the outcome because we get so goal focused. It's like, no, I have to have these goals. And I think goals can really turn us into transactions, Mm -hmm. looking at transactional relationships instead of like, okay, here's my intention. Like, this is what I want to do. Go about and do the work. Focus on the process every day, right? Mm -hmm. If you were only focusing on getting her as a client (laughs) all those years, you might not have been doing your work and doing the great work that you did to for her to find you. Yeah. And I see a lot, a lot online. We're in this online world and mm-hmm. um, sometimes it's so visible how much people want certain people's attention mm-hmm. or we want to connect or we have, you know, we want, we want to know Brene Brown or mm-hmm. <laughs> Oprah, but like just, it's the same kind of thing where if we just trust that it, if we put them in on, on a pedestal and, see, you know, see ourselves as below, um, that's not, it's not a balanced connection. And if we just keep on focusing on what we're the good and the beautiful and the hopeful we're bringing into the world, um, those little unexpected dreams will come back on us um, without being so attached to it. Okay. So I'm tingling all over the place as you're talking about (laughs) this because um, that is so, so true. And, And it goes back to, I think something you said in that post and I'll have links on the interview page. So you guys are interested in this anything we talk about they'll be on the interview page including Vivian's website which is gorgeous but um the this 
the thing that you that stuck out is that you don't even like the word celebrity right because no. that's putting them up on that pedestal and I believe we're all human and people have had different achievements mm-hmm. um but there is this I mean you know when when you create the put that when you put somebody on this pedestal that's also kind of interesting because how do you receive that I mean mm-hmm. I think some people go ooh, I'm just a person because they know all their stuff Right. Mm -hmm. So no matter how famous and I've been able to meet a lot of different, you know, so-called people up there, but they all have their stuff. They know their insides. Mm -hmm. We we see maybe their PR image that's out there, but they all have their insides. They have their vulnerabilities. They have their stuff that they're embarrassed about or ashamed of. Mm -hmm. And I think that's such a great skill set that you have of, okay, we're people and here's somebody that I admire, but I'm not, and I'm not going to put her up on this pedestal. I'm going to go in and do my work. Mm hmm yeah. And I, I actually, part of this experience, um, or kind of what built my perspective around this was going to a lot of in-person events within online creative community and um, kind of seeing the way we do put people up on pedestals. And when we get so focused on who, I mean, the big names that are at mm-hmm. an event, like the very first one I went to, there was, it was like my blog reader come to life. Yeah, Everybody I ever read was there. But I got the beautiful advice from a friend. If you get so focused on like who you want to meet, you might be missing that your new best friend is sitting beside you. (laughs) You know, when we get so focused on um, those who we do put up on pedestals, we miss out on the valuable and beautiful connections that are, are waiting for us, like right beside us, perhaps. (laughs) And that goes to when I met you, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We were at, we were at a workshop and, um, and I was just, and I, and I've now let go of a t- outcomes and stuff. And I couldn't even remember why I signed up for this, um, workshop, <laughs> but I did. And my, I was with a girlfriend of mine who I care about a lot. And so, um, but then I happened to meet you and you started to share your story. And I was like, oh my gosh, because what you do is, is an activity that I had and not, you know, I didn't do it very well, but like, I can't wait to share you with my listeners, with my clients, <laughs> right? Because one of the things that I had my, one of my groups do is I had them take pictures of themselves. Yeah. Right. And the stuff that it brought up taking pictures and they were only emailing it to me. They weren't posting it on Flickr or Facebook. Right. I am their safe person. They know that I, they trust me and it brought up stuff and they had, they had sent four pictures over course of a month to me. Mm. Right. And the stuff that it brought up and, and we wound up having lots of great conversations about it. But when when I met you, you were talking about that, right? And and I got oh. to know you, and I was so excited. And then I came home from it, and I was like, I need to have her on my show. She's got great work out there <laughs> that I want people to be a part of and to know. One is I want people to see how you can create, you know, a living, right? And then uh-huh. two is just to be your own beloved. I love that. Yeah. And I learned that from you. Thanks. So, and it's, it's neat because it – that work or that, um, all that stuff that it brought up for your, um, your clients, that's so normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> totally normal. Like the process of seeing yourself with kindness through the camera isn't like easy. <laughs> it's not that easeful, <laughs> but that's why I am so passionate about it. It's because these things come up for us that we can actually listen to them. What's going on for me? Why is this so hard? Mm-hmm. How could I... You know, can I keep, can I quit taking self-portraits? I, that was so scary. I want to stop. Or what would happen if I took 20 more? Just let myself go wild, take 20 more. And 
what often happens when we kind of just get into the process of taking self-portraits is we, the more we take, the more we can see that one that is like, oh my God, that's me. No one's ever taken a photo like that of me. Mm -hmm. And when it feels really out of control to take self-portraits, I think that's probably what was coming up for a lot of your clients was, oh, <laughs> this is, it unearths things. But um, I also found that the more that we kind of step into it, it, it can be a way that we can um, take back the voices that we have about our bodies and ourselves. We can be like, I'm going to take this photo and I'm in control of it. I'm the photographer. I'm the person in it. I, we actually have more control than we think um, in self-portraiture. Because <laughs> often when somebody's taking a photo of us, we're, we don't have control. Where are they going to post it? How is it going to come out? Do they know how to use their camera? What's, you know, it's, it's very unknown. It's vulnerable. And um, once we get past the threshold of self-portraiture, the vulnerability stays, but it's less scary. Ooh, say more about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually, in my classes, my favorite students are the one who, ones who email me and say, I signed up. I'm scared. I don't want to do this. I hate photos of myself. I love them <laughs> because they're so brave. And once they step into it, I actually have had a student, um, and this is a kind of common experience in my classes, is um, I'll get that email and then they will start the class and I can, I can almost tell who it is because they look so um, self-protected mm -hmm. and they could, they just, um, they seem really resistant visually in their images and throughout only a month, my classes are primarily a month, throughout those 28 days that we do the class, you can just see them unfold into the process. And um, I think part of doing it in community is powerful too, where we, we don't have to be doing this alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, self-image and negative. Um, and our inner critic, it's, it brings up a lot of shame for us, mm -hmm. for everybody. And, you know, most women out there don't feel like we're enough. And to be able to take self-portraits and see ourselves with kindness, but also do it surrounded by people from around the world who are also saying, I want to see something different. I'm hopeful. I'm I'm going to give this a try, and and then who who see once we start doing the activities, I have a very specific kind of array of activities for the class, and um, as long as they give themselves the chance to see themselves with kindness, it it happens every time. So it's pretty powerful. <laughs> I I totally agree with you. I mean, the, the groups that I do, you know, um, the women a lot of times they have so much shame. Mm -hmm. right? about their body and about their image or their worth or their value. And when they show up and they hear somebody else say similar things, they're like, Oh, I'm not the only one. Yeah. And, Cause in their head, right. They're watching the Facebook reel in their life, which yeah. is everybody's highlight reel. And then in their head, they're, you know, they get into that compare and despair. And so when they see that and they hear that, and the way I set up my groups is there's no fixing of other people. Yeah. Right? Because as women, we tend to do that. Totally. And um, so we don't have like an online community and I've, I've checked in with them and I've gotten pretty solid answers of no online community um, where, but it's a place that they show up and um, so that they can do their own work because they've spent their entire lives trying to fix other people and totally. they need that space to work on themselves for right now. Yes. But a place to show up and know, okay, I'm not alone in this and also yeah. to be inspired by somebody. 
You know, mm-hmm. what, one time a member in one of my groups had said, um, I'm learning how to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And that became this, like, it just spiraled, you know, it threw out the group because the women were like fascinated because why were they eating? Because they didn't want to feel uncomfortable. They didn't want to feel unhappy. Right. So they Mm -hmm. were distracting themselves. And then that whole thing. And, and she couldn't believe like how many months later when we were on a call, somebody else was talking about that. And she said, Oh my gosh, this is just something that I was just saying because it was real (laughs) for me. Right. So we never know the impact that we have on other people. Absolutely. So, um, Oh, I just love your work. Um, so it's an uncertainties. Now, w- with that quote that I read earlier, prior to that happening, were you concerned or worried about what was going to happen in the future or how you were going to make things happen? Um, well, I kind of mentioned low expectations. I didn't really, I'm not an A-plus type student. I'm not your valedictorian. I didn't for some reason, I didn't have like big, I'm going to be super, super successful. I'm going to change the world. <laughs> um, I just, I hadn't really been, had that high expectations for my life, to be honest. So, um, yeah, I don't think it's bad to have <laughs> high expectations for your life, but um, I'm just grateful that it kind of worked out that just deciding to try to take care of myself and um, be a creative person kind of led me to have uh, the, the things that are happening in my world these days are bigger than I could have at, ever foresaw for myself. Well, yeah. And, you know, growing up and I, and my listeners, I'm half Korean and I'm half American, uh, white um, academics was a huge value in my family. She was my mom's background. Um, but I had thought success only learned a certain, looked a certain way, right? And you, mm-hmm. you, I believed in what I call the lie now of, you know, be a good girl, work really hard, get really good grades, go off to a really good school, live happily ever after, mm-hmm. right? Mine wasn't marrying Prince Charming. That was what mine was just about the academic piece. Yeah. And, but I, and I saw you had written a post about, you know, can, it was great when I was in kindergarten and we were doing art and we we're doing group work. And then all of a sudden we had to sit and, rows with desks and have tests and you know and that was the value and at some point you didn't think you were smart but now you realize that you are smart yeah it's it's actually in a way our weaknesses can be our greatest strengths right I thought that school just didn't it you know I might have been better suited for a different kind of like Montessori or Waldorf Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, where you do get to have more creative play but um school public school in general just didn't help um didn't you know that wasn't the priority to be a creative person I did go to an arts high school so it was supported but so was academics and um I yeah so I I just never thrived in school and never saw myself as a someone who was smart I didn't have the motivation to get those a pluses and um in a way in the big picture, it worked out because I always had that creative um, wisdom and strength. That was, it just wasn't um, celebrated in, in school. But for so long, I didn't think I was smart. And, um, you know, when you don't thrive in in school, sometimes my, my parents are wonderful and supportive, but I had a couple teachers who, one called me stupid. And, <laughs> um, and they, you know, 
if, if they don't see you thriving, they assume that you're not. That's only bad teachers, of course. There's great teachers out there. <laughs> um, but so I had concluded that I just wasn't smart like everybody else. And um, it took until that creative awakening in my late 20s to just realize that, oh, I'm, I have all the smarts I need. They're just mine and they're different. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be exactly why I'm successful in this lifetime. Mm-hmm. is everything that I thought was wrong with me is just there's strengths that are maybe just not the typical ones. <laughs> so I went into teaching online classes and my career as a whole, um, really from just the creative approach. Like it wasn't about making a living or wanting to be a creative entrepreneur. It was just, it was really the creative kind of strengths that I had that drew me into it. So you didn't know really where you were going. You just had no. this calling inside to go do. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think it's great to know what you want, but sometimes even if you do, <laughs> something's going to trip you up and um, you're going to, you might even have an unexpected uh, life path ahead of you. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just like, Go underdogs. <laughs> well, no, you know, it's so interesting because I was the, I was that gate kid I, in, in the States. We have this program called gate. It's the gifted and talented. And, mm-hmm. um, so I, I always make fun of that. I was that kid who didn't think she was smart and really didn't think she belonged there. And so I was mm-hmm. always worried. I was going to finally blow my cover one day. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it wasn't probably until, I don't know, uh, my thirties that I started going, I am smart. Yeah. Right? Um, but the system, even for me, where I could thrive in that system, yeah, didn't I didn't fit. And maybe that's why I like the show so much. And I, you know, reach out to guests like you is that I want to show people there's so many different ways. Right. That's one mm. path. But that's a that's part. And it doesn't mean that that's the only way. And I was, you know, I wound up working in that system too mm. for a long time as a tenured professor. So, um, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but that we have so many different paths. I truly believe that. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I encourage and invite people to do is, you know, look at the paths and, you know, why am I here, you know, with being on radio when I didn't ever was never a talking head or enjoyed talking heads. I've just had, I've always had this innate curiosity, mm-hmm. right? It's like, I am just curious. And I think that people have stories to share. Yes. So, and that's why I'm here. And, um, and I'm, I'm a, I love to learn. So I've been, you know, it makes a lot of sense now, but when I first started out, I couldn't figure out what I was doing and why I was doing it because it made no sense. But I, <laughs> I kept showing up because it just, it, there was, there was a fire inside of me. Is that yeah. the same for you? There was a fire when you started taking these pictures and you just started blogging and writing and. Yeah. Well, when I found photography, I'd been creative my whole life in various things, mm-hmm. pottery, theater, um, but when I found photography, I was like, it was a fire. It was like, I, there is something I can learn about this for every day for the rest of my life. I'm sure of it. And I never felt that before where I was just like, yes, there's something here that, and I followed that feeling. And, um, I, I guess over the years I've just kind of honed in on that fire. Like what lights me up more than, um, taking portraits. It's, you know, like just following the fire has been really powerful. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. So, and with um, with this process and being a creative entrepreneur, and 
you've also said something about building your business your way, right? Because in this whole online world, it's, you know, there's that six figures in, in one year or grow a list to a certain number. And, you know, what, what have you found true for you? Because there's a lot of, I feel like hype. And yes. then again, people go, oh, see, I can't get to that list. And I I mean, I had Hugh McLeod on my show several years ago, and he said something that was great where he said, look, if you have a thousand people, you can make a living, you know? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to be the hundreds of thousands or the massive, right? And, oh. but, but people do get stuck on that and put their worth on that. And what are your thoughts about that? You bet. I have lots of thoughts on that. Um, I So I didn't go into this like with big business goals. I just started teaching and I'm so glad I did. And um, because I, I just figured it out along the way and did it my way. And it's been very, very slow and steady. Um, you know, if people just find my work today, they might be like, wow, where'd she appear from? But it's been <laughs> hard work, slow and steady and um, just doing it my way all along. And if we're so caught up in having the perfect product or have building the gigantic list before we even begin, um, we're not, it's not going to happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. We have to, it, it's back to that vulnerable piece. We have to show up and, sh- and show up for ourselves and show up in our work and put it out there. I'm kind of, I've always been the type who has the clear idea. I get the idea and I put it out there and then I show up for myself in it and I show up for the people who are paying me <laughs> and I make sure it's like more, it's more than they expected. And, um, but it's my, with my classes, like they evolve along the way as I'm teaching them too. I always have the content ready, but not when I just put out that first call of here's my new class, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you, uh, I've always kind of built it that way. And, um, I've taken some turns along the way where I did something that maybe didn't feel like it was actually the right path. It's okay to make mistakes. I'm, I'm grateful that, you know, along the way I've done, I, I, it hasn't just been easy. It's been a bit of up and down and, um, everybody's is, (laughs) even if they're growing that gigantic list right away, or I'm, I'm actually really grateful. My work isn't based around, um, helping other people in their business because I feel like there is a lot of pressure to say that and to prove the six figure um, income and and to just like kind of prove your successes. And one of my favorite um, people in the online world and authors, and she's a mentor of mine, Jennifer Lee of the Right Brain Business Plan. I've always loved her kind of approach to business, and um, obviously I've I'm right brained <laughs> um, and. Um, just really letting your creative creativity thrive on the way has and your unique skills and yeah I sometimes I feel like maybe I'm a bit more vulnerable and exposed than most people would be in business <laughs> um, I recently shared uh, in my in a blog post about I did a talk locally mm-hmm. and um, it it was scary <laughs> And I, I shared a, the blog post was like the behind the scenes of how it really was because so many of us are, oh, I did this talk. It was amazing. Actually, I cried for a couple of days beforehand because <laughs> I was so nervous and I didn't feel like, um, I didn't feel supported. And I, I was trying hard to get lots of people to come and not as many people came as I had hoped. And um, I could have just said online that, oh, it was amazing. It was perfect. I, I shone. But I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to like tell the truth behind it too. And 
I guess it goes back to self-portraits where um, it's not just about showing our perfect Facebook-worthy self, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like showing up and and just telling the truth of, of who we are and um, sharing a bit of behind the scenes in a way of who we really are. Because it's so easy for other people to think that as entrepreneurs, you've got it. You've got it all figured out. Oh, you know, Vivian's always popping out a course. She's, she's on, on it, you know, like, well, it's hard work. And, <laughs> and sometimes I'm crying in my room <laughs> and it's like, it's, it's up and down, but um, I wouldn't want to have it any other way because this is me. Well, and don't yeah. you think, I mean, that's going to resonate with the people that want to work with you, right? Yeah. Because they're going to say, wow, Vivian's really real. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the people that don't like that, they may want the person that makes everything look a yeah. certain way. And Absolutely. That, and in, <laughs> in a way, I mean, those aren't my people, but in a way, that's perfectly fine too, because it's totally. about who are the people that resonate with you. Yes. And one of my biggest um, philosophies behind this Be Your Own Beloved work is that I want to live it too. It came from, you know, me healing my own body image through it, but I want to show up. So within the work, so I just, one of my philosophies is to live the work. And so I'm pretty much not every day, but almost every day I share a, a self portrait and I follow along with my classes. I do the, the activities with them because there's always layers to learn. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not, I, I don't necessarily want to be the expert because you're the expert in your own body image mm -hmm. and healing journey. I don't know your story as well as you do, right? So um, I want to empower people to to be their own expert in themselves <laughs> in well, a way. Because it sounds like a lot of the work you do is similar to the work I do. Mm -hmm. um, but it is about being empowered, right? I think, and maybe yeah. that was our thing with this educational system. And I'm not trying to slam education because it yeah. was a huge value of mine. But it was kind of this, the teacher knew all. Yeah. And you just had to listen to teacher because they were right. Mm -hmm. right. It wasn't about trusting what you knew. <laughs> yeah. It was, you know, it was about, you just need to do as I say to make me happy. Yeah. And um, so, and my message is that we can't make people happy. <laughs> you don't no. make yourself happy. <laughs> so stop playing that game. Um, yeah. it, can you say like showing up for ourselves? Yeah. What do you mean about that when you create a course and you put it out there? What do you mean showing up for ourselves? Ah, sure. Um, I guess that's a term I use a fair amount is um, pushing through the fear to um, do the best we can and put the best we can out into the world. In, in, in these classes, I uh, showing up for myself in a way, like I'm a procrastinator. <laughs> mm -hmm. So showing up for myself is like meeting myself at the computer and making sure I do what I need to that day. Um, and also in front of the, the camera, showing up for selves for me would be not running away when the first photo isn't what I hoped it would be, but trying again. So um, resilience, really, just trying to be as resilient as we can in this world, whether it's taking a self-portrait or teaching a class. But um, I think resiliency is not spoken of enough. <laughs> huge. Yeah. It's huge. I mean, and that comes down to, I think, what my show's about. Like, I, it used to be part of my intro and I moved it to the to the exit, to the outro, and there's some controversy amongst my listeners about where it should be. But one <laughs> of the things that I say in there is, is that, you know, my, I bring guests, I invite guests to talk about their struggles, right? And that they've fallen down and they've 
gotten back up because so mm-hmm. often, like, and you mentioned Brene Brown, right? People, she's becoming more and more pop culture, right? More and more people have seen her. And, but what people don't realize is that it's not, yeah, maybe overnight success, like from, since she did the first TEDx talk. Yeah. But how many years? It's been what, 14, 16 years of research? Yes. And how many years was she wanting to quit and saying, this is horrible. Why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Right. And so often, you know, my big message is so often people self-eliminate. They're like, they jump ship, you know, yeah. they give up on themselves. They don't help their own backs. And that's why I have the show. Cause it's like, yes. look, if it's ringing true to you, figure out a way to do it in a responsible way. Right. I'm not saying I'm not a big person to say leap and go find your passion or the money will follow. I'm saying figure out a way that works within your lifestyle. Yeah. Very true. So, um, you said earlier about mistakes that you have made or things that you did that may not have been in line with yourself. Do you have any, like a story that you could share, be, be willing to share? Like, about like the, on the, the entrepreneurial path? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's been a, so I love teaching e-courses and in, I, my first one was, um, it was called You Are Your Own Muse and it was a self-portrait e-course. And um, when you're teaching e-course content, there can be a lot of pressure and Sometimes that pressure comes as I'm excitement from people to always have a new class, to always bringing out new things. And um, I had made a video that's actually on my about page. And um, I just created this video kind of sharing the story of the depression and getting through and finding myself. Um, I just made it with no expectations, just made it one day because all of a sudden my camera had video. I got a new camera and... Um, uh, actually, Kelly Ray, is it? No, that was later. I made a video for her as well. Um, I So I put this video out and people went wild. And they were like, how did you do it? I want to do that. And there were so many questions in my inbox of how did you make this video? Tell me your process. That I was like, oh, of course, a new e-course. <laughs> and I made this uh, class called Montage, which I I really did love teaching. But as I taught it a few times, I was like, oh dear, this isn't photography. This isn't self-portraiture. Where did I go? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had jumped into kind of following people's excitement into this new, totally new type of work. Mm-hmm. And I realized after a few classes that it didn't resonate as much as photography and self-portraiture did. So I, um, I don't think it was a mistake because I think it did help people. And it wasn't a mistake because it led me to kind of this new era of my work that is focused around the self-love as a tool um, through self-portraiture, it kind of led me back there. I don't think without getting lost, I would have found the clarity that I have in the last year about my work. And um, so that was a mistake (laughs) in the big picture, but it, you know, it was, it was pretty wonderful that it led me where I needed to go. So sometimes when we feel most lost, I think, we're just on the road to, to the found, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And, um, yeah, there's been other mistakes along the way or I, you know, this whole online education world too. I feel like it's so new in a lot of ways, this outside of academics. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's been around for a few years now, but we're all just trying to figure it out and it's evolving constantly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, um, there is a degree of experimentation to it mm-hmm. and that some things might work and some things don't. And we just got to try. <laughs> well, and, and 
like your story and then what you're talking about with experimentation reminds me of a guest, Carol Dweck, who is the mm. Stanford professor. And my listeners know I like academics, but um, I love their research. But she was talking, she talks about the growth mindset, right? Mm. Where when you make a mistake, you don't make that mean you're a failure. Yes. You go, oh, I made a mistake. What can I learn from this? Yes. Right. And that's what it sounds like you have. And so you can go through and put, because a lot of people would have dwelled on, oh my gosh, I spent all this time and energy on this and maybe money. And, you know, I need to recoup this. I've just got to push through. Yeah. Right. And with that kind of energy of, oh, here I am, I'm going to do it because it's obligated and it just feels like crap. And it probably goes off into other areas of your business. Mm -hmm. Instead, you did it and you realized, wait a second, this isn't in line with the work that I do. Yeah. And maybe I had to go off the line to figure out what the line was. Yeah. And, <laughs> so. but it, and then it, but it still added another dimension to your work that you probably wouldn't have gotten. Totally. Yeah. And, and that goes to like my transactional relationship, right? We have these transactional relationships where we think it's this and then this. Yeah. But the journey is pretty windy, isn't it? It sure is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very. And it's hard when you're on the, the windy parts to, to just trust that it's going to go somewhere that you... Um, that could be really good for you. And again, I think it's that thing we talked about earlier of like, it might be even better than you expected. <laughs> that whole depression I went through, you know, I felt like it was, I had to walk through the fire. And then at the end of it, there was this gift of like clarity of finding my creative passion. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes those little bits of getting lost or making a mistake or something that isn't in alignment. Like it's a bit of walking through fire too. And at the end, we, I feel like this path is nowhere near linear. <laughs> mm -hmm. And if it was linear, it would probably be flatlined, right? Like it wouldn't, <laughs> what, <laughs> what helps us grow is these ups and downs as entrepreneurs. And um, yeah, whether it's like, how am I going to pay the rent this month or the mortgage? <laughs> um, and then other months where you're just thriving, like it's, it's, um, it's a learning curve and though it doesn't always feel that great to go on the curve, uh, I wouldn't want it any other way. And, and that's how the slow and steady growth happens is with these little ups and downs. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and then going back to that word resilience, right? That's yeah. how you develop resilience. Totally. Right? It's not about, Oh, everything is just, you've got this, this golden pathway and you stick on this golden pathway. It's a windy road. And yeah. as you go through the pitfalls, that's what develops your strength, which is resilience. Mm -hmm. And to remember, everybody else is going through this too. <laughs> Everyone. <laughs> and Corinne will bring them on her show to yeah. talk about it. Everyone. Whether or not, you know, and it doesn't work with other people's branding per se to share the behind the scenes. And maybe at some point, there, like there's plenty of stuff I don't share. I don't think I've ever done a blog post about, you know, the mistake I made in my e-course or in my life or mm -hmm. work moving to teaching about videos. I, um, I haven't really announced that, but, um, yeah, everybody has kind of these times where they get a bit off track and, or where they're just scared. So it may not make sense for them to tell you, <laughs> but they're going through it. And so what do you do when you're scared and have fear? Yeah. Um, I, these days I actually have one of the first places I go is I have a bit of a mastermind um, kind of group of creative entrepreneurs who support each other and have uh, every other week we have a call together and 
it, it's probably them I go to first. Like when I had this experience of doing the talk and being like neck deep in my own fear of doing it. Um, it yeah, it was them that I went to, to, to say, help, <laughs> how can I, <laughs> can I cancel this? Can I get out of it? Can I do it? Um, yeah, when I'm, when I'm kind of in those rough patches, I'll go to them for sure. So to kind of build yourself uh, a net of people who you can mutually, not just having, you know, I don't, I don't think I'd want it to just be somebody who was like, I'm here to help you whenever you're falling. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to help other people too within that, that collective. So um, that's something that, that just kind of happened over the years. Well, see, you, you took away my question because I was like, well, uh, how did you develop that? Yeah. Well, I ended up getting asked to be a part of this, this particular group. There's just five of us. And, um, I think Jennifer Loudon has a program about mastermind groups. Mm-hmm. And I think this group, some of them found each other through that. So that's a good way to find your, your kind of group of people through a program that's about these kind of, uh, kind of collectives. Or just finding people who really um, kind of have resonate with your work. Or I'm seeking it in person these days too, which is really nice to to try to find people. So it's not just online or on Skype. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to actually be able to talk to people about this or have a safety, not a safety net, but like a support net mm-hmm. um, in person too. Yeah. And with the, the mastermind group that you're a part of, are you all doing the same thing or is it no. different things? No. And I don't think I'd want it to be all the same things. Uh, a number of us do teach e-courses. There's an artist, a uh, coach. Um, yeah, a variety of retreat leader. Like it's, it's a definitely a variety of people, which is perfect. Cause I don't think it, I would want it to be, we are all photographers mm-hmm. cause there can be an energy of, competitiveness online Mm -hmm. or we just you know oh they're doing something very similar to me so I don't want to know what they're doing (laughs) and uh, um having it where there's enough overlap Uh, I think maybe the the important commonality we have is that we're all at a point where we really want our business businesses to grow and thrive Mm -hmm. so um there's not one of us who's like, no, I don't think this business thing is for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's talk about family or our husbands or, you know, like that's not what we do necessarily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can do that kind of off, off time, but um, everybody having that kind of that what you use this term earlier, growth mindset, <laughs> mm-hmm. we all want to kind of grow our entrepreneurial worlds. So if they are also the first people, if I have a new class that I, I kind of bring it to, and what do you think about this? And being able to have people who can give you constructive criticism is so valuable. <laughs> and that you trust too, because that's something we build to the point, getting constructive criticism right off the bat with, with a new friendship or a new like online connection. It doesn't always feel that great. So <laughs> something you have to build too. And um, I'm watching the clock here and we need to get going on this, but um, I do want to talk about this, the self-portrait. I want to wrap up yeah. with that before we go into the takeaways. So with the self-portraits, um, something that really caught my eye is that um, it's, and, and maybe I'm taking this out of context, but the note that I wrote was not because you were at peace with yourself, but to do self-portraits to become that way. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think it can be easy to think that we have to be at peace with ourselves um, to take a self-portrait. Or um, like you said, when your clients shared all that came up for them, it's not, I don't think that taking a self-portrait needs to be easeful um, to do it. <laughs> it's it's because it's vulnerable and because it's... Um, it brings up things that that can be such a powerful and transformative place. And that's what it was for me. I do feel way more at peace um, with my, myself, my body image, my inner critic these days. And just by slowly doing this, but had I made that an expectation at the very beginning, or I, I really try to encourage people not to quit the self portraiture if it's, um, if they don't feel at peace, because <laughs> it's a long road to get there and we might have days where we do. And it's again about resiliency, about just showing up again. Um, and I, I definitely think self-portraiture can be a tool to find um, peace with ourselves and our bodies. Um, but we have, we might have to step into fear and vulnerability to get there. So. And, and I think like my metaphor for this is, you know, cleaning out a closet, right? Right now I've, I need to clean out my closet, <laughs> you know, and I guess fear and vulnerability is, oh man, there's a lot of work in there. Um, yeah. it, it, you know, when you get all the stuff out, it, it doesn't feel very good going through that process of oh. cleaning out the closet, but then to get rid of stuff, to figure out what you're going to keep, what's going back into that space. And then yeah. when it's done, I mean, I did this a couple of years ago and I just love to be in my closet. I would just go in there and write. Because I love that space. And right now I'm staying away from that space because it's not that space that I want. But that's what I kind of look at with self-portrait is that as you're doing the work, there may be resistance of like, oh, I don't really have time or Ooh, mm -hmm. I don't really want to deal with this stuff. But as you keep doing it, it develops like what we said earlier, the resilience. And then you start to like cleaning the closet. But then afterwards, you're so you there's a greater sense of peace. Mm -hmm. And I feel like because the, you know, we're taking photographs, we can look back often at these photographs and be like, oh, that day, I remember that day. And, and I just needed to document like how I felt. So I took a self-portrait. Like it can, it can remind us of those um, points of resiliency along the road. I'd like to call it like a visual narrative of our lives, whether it's like the narrative of, of us and our families or um, our personal path, like being able to look back and be like, oh, that was a tough day and I made it through. Um, it's kind of powerful to look in our own eyes in the camera and, and remember what lesson of resiliency we might have learned that day or you know, how that process of making that one self-portrait was for us. So, Well, Vivian, do you have a couple of takeaways for the listeners? Sure. Um, probably no surprise. <laughs> Maybe I would love for them to try some self-portraits. <laughs> And um, one of my favorite things to do, essentially what I was just talking about, is check in with um, ourselves through a self-portrait. So I wondered if maybe your listeners just wanted to try this right after um, we close up. Just check in with yourself in the camera. iPhones where you can like make the camera look at yourself is great. <laughs> and just... You know, you don't need to share this anywhere else just to take a photo and like, how do you feel today? And by check in with yourself, like if I'm having a rough day, I'll, like I won't try to fake a smile. <laughs> and if I'm having a great day, maybe I'll just like smile at myself in this camera. So to look at yourself in your camera and just check in, just let for this moment there be a space to be heard 
if only just by yourself. So a check-in would be one activity I'd love for them to try. And, and another thing would be, um, you know, they have no pressure to share that, but I, so for my class and just my work in general, I have a hashtag, be your own beloved. So maybe I'd love them to also kind of peek at that hashtag. And wh why I'd love them to do that is, um, I think we can have an expectation that everybody's sharing these perfect fancy photos, but <laughs> as you'll see, like, especially along the way I've, the people I most want to work with are, it's not about making a fancy photo. It's just about showing up and um, being willing to go on the process. So if they check out that hashtag, I think they, you know, make feel inspired to turn the camera on themselves a little more. Yeah. <laughs> Vivian, thank you so much for being on the show and doing the work that you do. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to How She Really Does It. I invite you to subscribe to my weekly newsletter at howshereallydoesit.com. I do this show each week for you, so you can now see the windows of possibilities in your own life. I believe there are many journeys for us to take. We can learn from others to see what is possible for ourselves. I believe there are possibilities for all of us, not just the ones who've acquired great success, but including those of us who have stumbled, lost our way, or only saw closed doors. With this show, maybe you can now see a glimmer coming through the windows. I call that the windows of possibility. Each week, I bring a guest who represents those possibilities. They too have had their own struggles and uncertainty, yet somehow they have found their way. My guests are an example of what is possible when you continue, when you learn, leap, fall down, and get back up. I invite you into this space so you can ask yourself if that is possible for them. What is possible for me? Really ask yourself that. I would love to connect with you. Please join me at www.howshereallydoesit.com. And thanks for listening today. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so wild.